So that leads me to ask then, what's what's your thoughts on Wyndham's chances then? I like his chances here. He played pretty well today. Um, obviously, his length's going to be crucial on some. I mean, there's three par fives, and he could get to all of them, so that helps. And um, you know, it's at high and pretty far. When guys are hitting four irons, and he could hit six iron, I like his chances because the higher you hit it and the softer it comes down, well, we could probably get to certain pins that um, other guys can't get to. So, um, yeah, depends how, he, you know, if we, if he handles himself and we do a good job with the golf course, I expect him to have a chance with um, nine holes to go. And that would be the ultimate goal, right? Is um, kind of plot yourself around to get to Sunday. And if you, whether you need to shoot five under or, you know, one over to have a chance, be pretty exciting. Maybe today's the day I break 80. Want the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading. No OB and no bogeys. I gotta keep it on the 80. It's the gold G. Well, you hit it on one. Straight up the gut, baby. Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings. Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy. So punch out the rough and tune to break 80. Break 80. Welcome to episode 57 of the Break 80 podcast. What a week in golf. Here to process it all of what went down. My guys, top 100, Tim, short-sighted Mike. And guys, I have to ask, is it official? Did we have our first Break 80 bump? Major victory with having John Ellis on the pod last week prior to the U.S. Open. Or are we? Uh, is that a bit of a stretch? I think, uh, I think we're past bumps. We're doing gator tails. I mean... We're coming in hard and heavy on getting guys to success right now. Um, we're a bathroom stall at a dive bar right now. <laughs> uh, I don't, uh, man, I don't know. You know, I, I like to think that our vibes kind of, you know, mesh with John's vibes and, the, and then they went straight to Wyndham's golf swing and head. And then that's what uh, happened. But I was really excited. I, I watched this thing from like start to finish yesterday, not just Wyndham, like the whole thing. And uh, he hit it the best by far, but, and he put it in chip the best too, but they gave John lots of credit for being a great golfer himself. Love to see it. Young John on there in the U S open. They had a few photos of him and they also had, um, they had him mic'd up early in the round or, or he wasn't mic'd up, but their mic was picking up really clear conversations. You know, you can hear him talking, especially early in the round, and he does a really good job. And I think a little bit has to do with him being a foreign player and coach of keeping him Wyndham calm, but also like confident. Like when they, when Wyndham would agree with something, he'd be like, "Love it, love it, yep, love that shot for you." Just keeping him really confident, which is I think what Wyndham also talked about this week was about playing kind of cocky and confident out there. I think John does a really good job of keeping him in that mindset. Well, they had him mic'd up, and I think he said something like, be an athlete. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. just go with your gut instinct. And that's what an athlete does. An athlete just kind of naturally, you know, makes a play when they have to make a play, right? That's what that's what athletes are. So I want to share uh, John's resume um, after since after meeting us. And, and you tell me if this is clear evidence. Well, they got their first win um, since meeting uh, meeting us in February. That would be 
an elevated event at Quail Hollow, big boy golf course, tough, tough field. Then he got went on to get his second win, a major U.S. Open major, nonetheless. Um, he went from 70th when we first met John. Now Wyndham is 13th in the world golf rankings. We just looked it up. He's he's not technically top six, but he's well on his way to getting a Ryder Cup captain's pick. And things go well, maybe even beyond. Um, anything else I miss? No, we can come back to the Ryder Cup at the end because I think so. Who would? There's been a lot more guy? consistency in making cuts too. Oh yes, Don. Not... Seventeen straight. Seventy was the he was yeah. the highest until the PGA Championship. Yep, till the PGA Championship. So he's made. Yep. Loads of cuts, playing one of the consistent most consistent money. Yeah, hundred percent. He's broke eighty a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Good guess. Yes, yeah, he that has done tons that. of money in professional golf. I'm, I'm wondering between between John and Wyndham, and Novak, um, and then uh, a couple other players that we've talked to. Do we need to like start a, a service fee on top of what we're doing? Should we charge for our interviews? I mean, things are going so well for so many guys. You'd think there'd be a line outside of the Break 80 podcast doors. You would think. To, should, to sign up. I, I would think the word is getting out there in the golf world that, that you should come on the Break 80 podcast. Um, I had, I thought I had Victor Perez lined up, but nothing yet. That, my, my guy. <laughs> That's why France, he's not playing well. That's yeah, why he's not playing well. I thought I had him lined up. You know, he was liking some messages, but coming on, I don't know what the, what the language barrier <laughs> it would be like but victor perez is the man folks we gotta get him on I'm well sure word on the street mike that. is that you took two years of ap spanish in high school yeah i got college yeah, yeah yeah couldn't speak no. hardly a lick of it right now though and i think what will davidson was supposed to is supposed to come on for a minute so we'll have to tag a couple folks in this upcoming podcast and see if we can't start to grow that rotation of great interviews i just think in general we'll We'll uh, do more interviews and put some more stuff out. I still have, we still have to put out uh, Ben Warrior and and Will uh, Fraser. Fraser. Yep, yep. So we'll talk yeah, so. through that. Um, well, let's start with Wyndham. Uh, you know, it was, you know, as as guys that you know, I actually picked him in fantasy golf this week, and I know Mike did not have faith in him like I did, but from the start, <laughs> he he, I think he eagled one on his first hole of the of the tournament, and from that point forward, I mean, he did not flinch. He did not bat an eye. He played four fantastic rounds of golf at a at a venue that, you know, is kind of getting a little bit of, I don't know, a, a crap for not maybe being a true test of U.S. Open golf. But you know what? You can only play the golf course, and he played it. Um, Mike, I think you're going to share some of the data, you know, golf on what Wyndham was able to accomplish this week. But before we get to that, I mean, let's just go back one week from basically today. Some of the things that John had said last week, came hundred percent true. I mean, he told us he is not only, you know, a great, he, he's long, he's going to eat up the par fives, which he did just ate him alive. I don't know what he was. I should, should have looked that up. How many under he was on the par fives. Um, he, you know, he's coming in with a lot higher trajectories into some of these longer par fours that other guys might not be able to hold or, and then on top of that, he had a world-class short game and he said that he might be, this best asset might be chipping. And then on top of that, he said he puts the ball super well. So these are all things that he shared and said that these are his strengths. And, you know, if you, if you really think about that, he was a great fit um, for this golf course. Well, 
not only does he hit it like he hits it a mile and he is effortless power if you they were they show the ball speed on on uh the broadcast and he was like cruising speed at like at like the mid 180s like it was like not even ripping at it hardly it's just like smooth but he hits a big he hits a cut which they kept saying on the broadcast you know that's the key to winning a lot of U.S. Opens, it's a lot of guys who can hit a cut because it lands softer, you know, into some of these spots, and that's what he plays. Uh, but if we go to the data golf, you know, strokes gained, tee to green, so everything but putting, basically. He was behind Rory by over a stroke. Rory was the best in the field at three plus 3.61. Scheffler, who got third, was plus 3.22. Wyndham was only plus 2.47. So, you know, he missed some greens, but uh, around the green, when it came to chipping, Rory was only plus 0.27 and and Scheffler was 0.56. So they were actually still on the positive side with regards to the field. Wyndham was plus 1.2, you know, so he was way ahead of them chipping and putting Rory was plus 0.40 and Scotty was plus 0.29. And Wyndham was plus 1.79. So he kind of blew those two guys in second and third place away when it came to chipping and putting, which is, you know, which was obvious if you watched it. You know, we'll talk about Rory here in a little bit too, but. um, We'll have to, we'll have to talk about uh, or talk to John and, and talk to Wyndham about what they see up there. Because when I chip, I try to pick out a, a spot to land the ball in kind of a generic two foot circle. Um, hope for the best and try to try to land it in that area and let it roll out how I see it. But you're seeing such small diameters of landing spots in comparison to what I'm seeing as, you know, a, a three handicap. Um, do they have tiger eyes out there? Are they watching these, these balls fall on lines, almost like putt view towards the hole and how confident do they feel? Cause Wyndham had some creativity out there. Some of those lies around the green were thick. Um, yeah, he launched have... one straight in the air from 40 yards and a buried lie that ended up going to like four, four feet. Yeah. I have a few written down here. We can go over some big shots in a second here, but, uh, Wyndham leg putted really well. He never had a ton of like super, all the stressful putts, the par putts were usually chips where he, he had to hit like, and we'll talk about this in a second. Some of those ready to chip it to like six or eight feet was good, but he made them. Uh, but John is very involved in, in green reading. Like he's down there with the club and, and they're in there. So yeah, it'd be interesting to talk to John about what they're talking about. And um, I really, we, well, let's hear, let's talk about a few of the shots Wyndham hit. First of all, I would love to, next time we talk to John, which will be sometime here, I would love to ask him about eight on hole eight, the easiest got hole on the golf course. And it was, you know, the other par fives Wyndham birdied and hole eight, he was close. He was like a foot from being an Eagle putt, you know, and it goes down into the Branca and he's in that freaking just mound of grass. And I would love to ask John, did they think about taking an unplayable? You know, it would, it would put you down the brink because he hit the first one. It doesn't come. It doesn't come out. And then he, I, at that point I was, I was sitting there watching at home, like, Holy shit. Is he going to take unplayable now? Cause it's like, you can't even see the ball on TV. And then he hits it over the green but then the chip, that's where the chipping part came in. He chipped mm-hmm. it up, made the putt, made it, got out of there with a bogey where a lot of guys would have probably doubled. So he saved a stroke, you know, at, from that point on, a lot of guys wouldn't have got that chip up and down. So he saves a stroke there. 
Um, I think I, I was just going to kind of go off of that. Like when we have that, Oh shit moment in like, whether you're playing in some sort of a event or whatever, that's the point where your heart rate increases. Cause you know that you are in trouble. Like you've got, I mean, he, He's at hole eight of a major on his just about to get to the back nine of a Sunday major. And he just whiffs in a big tuft of grass. I mean, if that doesn't get your heart rate going and get, you know, but, but that's again, what a good caddy does probably walks over, gets some calm. It's okay. We're still in this kind of a thing. Let's just get, make sure we get the ball hit, you know, no matter where it goes, let's just somehow make sure we get club on ball. And then we'll go from there. And I, I that'd be another thing, like you said, like, what did, what did they talk about after he whiffs? Like what, yeah. how do you get him back on track? Cause I don't have a caddy, never had a caddy and I don't have anybody sitting there telling me, ah, it's all right. Here's the next move. It's just whatever's in my mind is what's going on. We'll get it's to that. What later. I spent the better part it's of today good. doing. What are you talking it's about? Not we'll get to that at the end of the episode. After today's <laughs> so, um, I, think I, I think I need a caddy. So some other holes, then he goes to hole nine, hits it in the bunker has to play that, you know, well, no, it wasn't in the bunker. It was in the rough by the bunker. And he's got that choke down shot that he chooses to play. And, and John talked about, I'm sure they went up the slope and it slowly came back down to like six or eight feet. And he made that big time par putt on nine. Um, We'll get to 14 in a second, but the tee shot on 12 was absolute, just a baller tee shot. Like all those guys were hitting irons and they were hitting like three woods, you know, hitting the draw. And he hit the cut driver over the trees into the smallest, maybe maybe the smallest fairway area on that entire golf course, and just ripped the cut right in right into it like like it was nothing. And that was a big time tee shot. That was amazing. Brandel Chambly, who Tim loves, I'm sure. Um, when they interviewed Wyndham <laughs> on the Golf Channel, he was like. I cannot believe you hit that shot. Basically, he's like, "Yeah, I, I like the cut. That's what I play." I was like, he was like, he was absolutely awestruck by that tee ball. But then it went to fourteen, and actually, I thought we'll get to Rory in a second. Fourteen to me was the big swinger, where Rory hits the you know makes the bogey, and we can talk to that a little bit. And but Wyndham gets up there and hits just the two hundred and like seventy five yard three wood up the neck right into the right on there and easy birdie from there. Um, but yeah. I don't know. And by the way, at that point, in that moment, there'd only been one guy to hit the green and two yeah. that entire day, and that was Tommy Fleetwood. So that tells you it's not like a par five that everybody's getting there in two. Two guys in the entire field. And Wyndham Clark coming down the stretch of a major on, you know, on a Sunday pulls that shot off. Um, and I, that's incredible. And I know he was a little nervy probably because like 17 he pulled. But that's something I'd like to talk to John with too because it's like, those guys in those practice rounds, they know exactly where to miss. And that was a good, a good miss, like a little bit long and left. The chip was pretty doable from there. And he got up and down. Um, the T shot, the T shot on 18 looked with the pro tracer so bad. Like it, it looked like it, it looked like he had hit it like into like downtown Los Angeles. It was so far off the property. It looked like, but it was still in the fairway. Uh, we'll get to the impressions of Los Angeles country club, maybe in a little bit, but uh, but yeah, then he stepped up there and he hit it on the green and two puttered piece of cake. What about, um, and you guys probably noticed this too. I felt like his swing changed on the last four holes. I felt like he was trying to save a lot of things. Like he was not, it just swing did not look the same that it had looked 
previous. It was just almost like a couple of times where it's like it hit the green, but it looked like he like at last second kind of flipped something over just to to kind of save it from doing something. Um, did you guys notice that at all? Yeah, I'm sure it was, it was pressure, but I think part of it too is the course had baked out so much by then. It was got, you know, if you watched in the morning when like Fleetwood went out there and shot 63, it was a lot different by the afternoon. They're hitting into such small windows they're trying to hit you know to get it to to hit a slope and go down it just i can't even imagine when he's hitting like seven iron into 17 or whatever it was how little the the landing area he's looking at has to look at that point when he's up by a stroke or whatever it had to look just tiny um but yeah maybe i'm sure there's i was actually like holy shit when they let the fans come in on 18 and he's got a putt with like all those fans standing right there. I was like, I would have been pissing myself. There's no way. I would have got that like halfway there. You, you know what I think would have been sweet? He walks down 18 and they start doing the Mighty Ducks quack. <laughs> quack. Oh, the Oregon Ducks? Quack. Quack. And they start filling in as he walks down the 18th to try to close this one out. That's what would have been sweet. TV didn't do that a lot of justice. They talked about Oklahoma State this and Oklahoma State that you know, where he started, but he played a couple of years at Oregon too. Well, that's when they went, they made it to the Nationals. Yeah, yeah. So, well, it was really fun. I mean, it was one of those things where I know, and, and there's a 95% of the golf world did not want Wyndham to win. Um, you know, there was a lot of great options. You've got Rory, storyline, Rory, storyline, Ricky, storyline, Scotty, you know, Wyndham was not, top priority in a storyline you know for us we were pulling for him but 95 percent of the the people out there did not want him to win which you know kind of makes it awkward and hopefully now that he's won a couple times he can kind of start making his way into that you know where people start enjoying him and what liking to watch him play and he can you know want him to start winning and that's kind of what it takes you got to step up in big moments and make your name somewhat out there but it was kind of awkward watching you know him knowing the entire golf world is pulling for Rory yeah. That was kind of a, a tough deal. Before we move on to Rory and Ricky, those guys, speaking of Ryder Cup, he's, what is he, 10th, I think, now? How do you not pick him? Like, if you look at his game, he's like everything you don't want to play in match play. He destroys it off the tee. I know the, the course in Rome is fairly tight and short, but he kills it off the tee. And he puts and chips the shit out of it. Like, why, why wouldn't you want him on Ryder? Those are like all the things that you want. Like, he's good at everything that, that makes match play hard to beat somebody. Like, I don't, I don't see how they wouldn't pick him if he doesn't automatically get into the top six. Yeah, the names that are out there are not all that uh, enticing. Some of them, at least, they're not playing great golf. So, yeah, that'll be interesting as we get closer to the fall. Um, well, let's talk. let's talk Rory. You know, that's... I think uh, the the poor guy. I mean, oh, another... he would have he would have he would have won the U.S. Open every other year it's ever been played. What a choke I, artist! Good lord! If know, he was though, a magician, did... he would have died multiple times. He... Okay, so that's a good point, Tim. Did he choke? He played pretty damn well. He hit it great. To me, there was only, there were two big moments. I guess on eight. When Wyndham is in, you know, Wyndham hit bogey, which he didn't know that because Wyndham was playing behind him. Eight, he's on the front fringe to a front pin. And if, if we count the putt off the fringe, it was a three putt. 
he puts it short, like three or four feet short, and then doesn't even hit the hole on like the four or five, whatever it was, four, let's say five feet, four feet birdie putt. So that was a bad par, really bad par. Eight, eight was the easiest hole in the golf course. Um, and then 14, he had to lay up, but he's at 125 yards, and that's the one where he hit the wedge. It, he plugged it into the face of the bunker, and then he got the break, to get, you know, because it was embedded. And then the chip wasn't very good, and he missed the par putt there too. Like those two plays were horrible. Like that's to me when it comes to Rory, that's that's where I just like I like Rory. I always have. He's fun to watch. He's you know he's exciting. But sometimes it's so mind-boggling because he hits it so good. And then he has a wedge in his hand from 125 and he throws it into the bunker, basically. And, you know, like, how do you miss the green with that club? It's just, it's crazy. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It seemed to me like a lot of, like, St. Andrews. He 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 didn't have a lot of makeable birdie putts. Everything was from miles away. You know, he, you know, he didn't, I guess he two-putted most of them, but. He didn't make anything, not even once. But I think I, to be honest, it's it's such a bland scorecard, though. Yeah. I mean, he birdied, birdied that is a dead giveaway. Um, I could birdie it, you could birdie it, Jeff could birdie <laughs> in it in the US Open. <laughs> yeah, yeah, put me on that tee. Nine, nine out of ten free throws, birdie in the first at the LACC. <laughs> we'll add Bring that me to out. The, I will we'll add this to show the... up. To the list of crazy comments that have been made. <laughs> Did you birdie any par fives I, at Highland today? I, I, I'm hoping yes. I can net I net birdie. I always want to net birdie. Wait, did I? Did I birdie in the par fives? <laughs> ah, I feel I feel in my soul like I did. You birdied one. Uh, yes, that's what I thought. But it and then a bogey on a par five on the back. And that is it. There's no other geometry on the scorecard at all. And that is not that's not a leader. That's not someone that strikes fear into other golfers that he is behind you or he is in contention at a major. That's just not an aggressive player. It's basically the same score that all the top players shot. Like he didn't implode. I mean, Cam Smith, Cam Smith was the only guy of the afternoon wave, you know, because Fleetwood went out early when it was the Marine layer was still on. It was still softer of the guys in the last, you know, let's say four groups or something, five groups that played later. None of them went low. Nobody was. It was way too firm. It was like they were all shooting even par. Or what did Sheffler shoot even? The expectation, though, is if you're Rory McIlroy, and it's been almost Nine. 10 years since your last major, uh, you've got to start going for pins. I mean, it's something that Tiger employed, right? It was well, set the, set the groundwork on the front. If people don't come back to where I am, if if people don't close that gap because I'm around them and they're nervous, then I have to start going for pins. And then he would, he would start to go for pins and he'd make up ground. He'd make up birdies and he'd close wins. I, and you just don't see that out of, out of McElroy. It's not something I, that he does. No, he does. Sometimes though. It's weird. He does it on soft golf courses. He eats up soft golf courses, both, both at St. Andrews and here when it's a firmer, you know, he doesn't, I don't know why he doesn't play those as well. He doesn't hit close approach, but he's, he's put up scores in the past at the U S open when it was soft at congressional, where he was a billion under par. He, he grew up playing Lynx golf. It makes no sense. Yeah. But he, even the, even the British open, he won, it was wet, it had been wet. And it was soft. It wasn't, 
it wasn't dried out. He loves the low, the highest, the low scoring ones. But anyway, um, I don't know. I, to me, don't you think if you were Rory, I bet you he, it's kind of like the open where he thought it was going to be him and Victor Hovland. I wouldn't be surprised if he thought I'm going to have a little shootout with Scotty maybe because he's looking at Ricky and Wyndham saying first time guy who was best finish in a major is 75th Wyndham's best fit major finish. And Ricky who the whole world was pulling for, but knew at the same time also knew he was going to blow up. Um, so I bet you Rory was sitting there thinking if I just plot along and make, you know, play solid golf, I got a pretty good chance of winning, which he did a good chance, but Wyndham just showed up and played well. I don't know. I just, I didn't think, I don't think he deserves to be ripped for playing poorly. I think he played his greens and regulation were spectacular. He hardly missed a green. He missed like two greens. Um, he just had a couple really bad, like I said, eight to the three putt on eight and the wedge on 14 were terrible, inexcusable mistakes. You just can't, the horrible, horrible mistakes you can't do if you're going to win. Here's where I, it, it's, 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 it has to be scar tissue now. I, I just, I think with Rory, Rory is he's very, he's vulnerable mentally. He's very vulnerable. And how we know that is, when you get cocky, Rory, think of the 2016 Ryder Cup. Think of chunky Rory when he was just slinging those clubs around. It, it he walks different, he looks different. He but here, you know, I, I think there's two different kinds of players that are two different styles. You've got the uber focused look where it's just like you will not, you know, get me from being unfocused today, which Tiger would show, right? You've got the 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 cocky look where it's like the Brooks Kepka style, you know, it's like, I'm showing up half of you guys are going to fold and you got to be somewhere on some of those spectrums. I mean, you just, you got to step on that tee and, and know that you're one of the, when you're in games, you're the best player in the world. Like he just doesn't show that with his body language. He doesn't show that. And that's where I get kind of hard watching him. It's like, dude, you smash a drive a billion miles and there's just nothing to show for it. It's like, that it's like cool. It's it's sweet, but then you you stuff a wedge to forty five feet. It's like okay, you know these guys are coming in from two hundred eight yards and putting it to forty five feet. You know it's like, like you got to just step on the gas. I mean, you're off the tee was unbelievable. I mean, you can't even make up what he was able to do off the tee. It was incredible. And then I he think- sits there and hits a nine iron to thirty five feet when everybody else is hitting five or six iron to twenty five feet or whatever it is. Yes, he hit the greens and reg, but like, dude, go get it. I mean, I know it's hard. He basically probably has this mindset where it's like you got these three guys, Ricky, Wyndham, and, and me are to start are probably going to be the three that are most likely going to be in this. And I'm going to see if those two other guys have not won majors fold. If I play smart golf, put it on the green, two putt, I think one of those guys and Ricky, you know, definitely folded early. He was gone. And then you got Wyndham who just kind of hung around and and he just, I don't know if he just thought that they were going to fold, but he doesn't ring much threat to anybody right now. It's been nine years, dude. You gotta, you gotta do something different. I mean, you can't play the open course at like even par when you got to go win it. I mean, you Cam Smith just came and just ripped that out of your hands and you did nothing about it. Like just show some cockiness, pull something from Wyndham. But I think a lot of those guys are, are, I think that's kind of the way that they're almost trained um, 
like the anti John Rom. They don't show like Scheffler never shows any emotion. You wouldn't know if he's in last place or in unless he's putting horribly and but like, he could win. He could be in first place or last place. Never know. Cam Smith, you don't get shit out of him ever. He just plays. But um, Victor Hovland, he just plays. Like, but, but those than, guys other, have one major. They have one. They yeah, have one well, major. I, well, I know that, but I, I just think. Roy's been on top of the golf world for how many years? I mean, he's he's not. This is not a three year run. He's been a very yeah, good golfer for fifteen years. Of course he is, but I think at the same time though, that's just not his. That's just. But it not was his. his. It was his. It was his personality. He had the bounce in the step, maybe, but he was never a. Uh, uh, like a, I don't know what a get angry or a get. I don't it's even not know. Angry. But... It's more just like 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 it's just how you. You look, I mean, it's just like, like, why doesn't he bounce? Why doesn't he not walk like that anymore? Like, why doesn't he walk around like he's the peacock in this entire tournament? Like, you guys got to beat me. Why let's, wouldn't let's he? Let's be, let's be honest. It, Rory's, Rory's done. I, it, the <laughs> whole live PGA thing, he got puppeted. I mean, Jay Monahan put his hand up Rory's ass and used his mouth as a, a speaking point for the entirety of the PGA tour. And, and now, he's having to to watch all of those those chickens come to roost as all of those those things that he say come back i mean i feel bad for the guy in the fact that he hasn't won since 2014 um in a big way but it just seems like he can't close the gap when it really matters and you'd think a guy that grew up in northern ireland on links courses could play in the dry could play off of bounces could play in the wind and he continues to only show up for the easiest of course conditions every single time. Well, he, I just, I, I don't understand how he continues to be the Vegas favorite when he cannot show that he can close a door. I mean, the man could walk up here in Minneapolis and fail to close a rotating door. He will be the favorite at Hoylake because he's the last person to win there. He he won the Hoylake Open when it was there. Um, yeah, it's a mystery. I, he'll win again. Like, how can he not? He is always in, he's always up there. Like just I by just, sheer percentages, he will win again. So the big question is when he wins a major, do the floodgates open a little bit again? I, I worry, I worry that he's been so abused by Monaghan and the, the PGA tour though, as the poster boy of what's gone on over the last year that he's a little burnt. I, I just, he might be, but he's like, look at last year. He was top 10 in all four majors. The only player. He just got second in the U.S. Open. I can't remember what he got in the PGA. He missed a cut in the PGA. No, he was really good at PGA. Top yeah, three, he, I think third. Like or so, he's uh, just by sheer like probabilities. At some point, somebody else is going to fold ahead of him by a shot or two, and he's going to win. Like how That's can he? What I was like, saying. How can the thing he is, not? He's like Scheffler. Rory, they're always there all the time. Rory is one of the most elite ball strikers, especially with the driver. Almost ever. Right. So we're talking about the ability to go through the motions as you're burnt out and he can still be elite because he is elite being burnt out. I just, I don't think that you can close a big door being burnt out. It takes a little bit more. And I just, you, we haven't you, seen you, it in the tank. Do you really think on the back nine of a major, he's thinking about uh, what Jay Monahan did to me and he's, is he's exhausted no. because of it. I'm pretty sure he's, He's focused in on trying to win the but, Well, I, I was hoping he was going to think about taking down the, the English and become the, the rightful <laughs> owners of Northern Ireland. But I, I was just going to say, like, I, I can see him winning another major, but the problem is 
it seems to me the way that he's going to win it is that he's going to wait for somebody else to screw it up. And that's my my problem with him mm-hmm. is that he waits for somebody else to screw it up. And if it doesn't happen, there he sits. Preach. I you want to see him go and just yeah. win it. You know, he lost by one shot. That's it. He one just shot. I mean, shot even par. I, even Mac, Mac shot yeah, even par. Everybody did. Like, even par was. In yeah, those but he's last better. Moves. He's supposed here's to the be. Thing, he's supposed to be the, one of the best. He's number three in the world. Yeah, in the, but in the, the, my my thing though is all the other guys though had to make a play. They had to be aggressive. They had to go try to win the tournament. That means more bogeys are coming going to come into play, but the most potential for more birdies. I mean, Tommy Fleetwood went go. He went went for broke. He just literally just went out there and had nothing else to lose. You can't have necessarily that mindset because really silly things can happen. But when you're driving it and you have a nine on your hand, go out a flag. No, but that's that's what Tiger used to do. Tiger would take a conservative through the first couple holes, see if anyone came back to the field. And then if no one did, he would start to shoot well, good flags. Well, the, problem I mean, is, Tiger, the problem is, I, though, Tim, that this golf course, the early holes, you have to get your birdies. Yeah. I actually think he does take the Tiger approach. Tiger played the majors super conservatively the whole rounds. You know, he would hit irons off the tee when everybody else is hitting drivers. He would, you know, he would go after the par fives, obviously. That was his thing. Um, but I think the difference there is Tiger could hit to middle of greens and hit away from pins and make a few putts here and there. He would roll in a couple of those where Rory never seems to make any of it. Like he never makes a fucking putt in a like. It's unbelievable. Yesterday was just like that last round at St. Andrews where he hit it pretty good, you know, but just nothing close, wasn't aggressive enough or whatever, and then made nothing. Like he didn't make any of those putts, you know, from 20 feet or whatever, where you'd think just by chance he'd maybe make one. He lipped that long one out on hole five or whatever to start. Like mm-hmm. he just doesn't make anything. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. Interesting to see going forward. But at some point in time, like he, I actually loved this comment where he said he would take a hundred of these losses just to, you know, a hundred of these to win one more time. And I think he would like, how can he not probability wise? He's so close all the time. I don't know. Yeah. Well, same with Scheffler. We go into Scheffler. Yeah. Yeah. I think we can get to Scotty. I actually want to touch on what you guys thought of, of Ricky. You know, he had not been in many positions like this, let alone now in a major. Was it surprising that he, you know, he talks about, when you're in a spot where you are in a final group of a major on a Sunday and, and, and you kind of say the old thing where it's like, uh, I think his quote was something like, uh, you know, what do I have? I have already, what do I have to lose already? Or I, well, I don't remember. Do you guys remember what he said? It was more like, uh, what was the quote? You know, basically it's like, I've already been to the bottom. What, what is it? What, what's, yeah. I can't get any worse than that kind of a thing, you know, mindset, you know, almost like setting himself up to, to let himself down. Like, I don't even know what you could say in that situation other than I'm thrilled to be in this position. I'm going to try my best tomorrow. I, I don't know what else you can say to the media. Cause it's like, whatever you say, there's going to be some narrative that, you know, if you're like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm going to go out and just dominate tomorrow. It's like, well, you know, you'd like to think that, but you know, there's really good golfers next to you. And it's like, how do you even handle that? Well, Ricky's, you know, he's kind of had his moments too, kind of like a Rory where it's just, he can't finish and close. And that's why he sits with not a win since the players, you know, not a major in his sight, um, super talented, but the dude led the field in birdies problem is he led the field in bogeys. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. It's kind of like, you know, in those, 
you see it in movies like medieval movies where they put the they're all drinking and they put like the the rock or something and there's like three cups and they and they move the cups around you got to guess which one the you know where it is now or whatever that's what that's what Ricky it was all smoke and mirrors he had 22 birdies through through 36 holes and he was what 10 under he made an assload of bogeys too and he was making putts the first two two days from all over the place long putts and that started to dry up on Saturday and it completely you know went to shit on Sunday but yeah you're exactly right it was a lot of fool's gold he was you know he was making birdies and bogeys and he was all over the place that you can't you you can do that maybe at a normal PGA Tour stuff. You can't continue to do that at a U.S. Open. You know when the course continues to firm up and everything, it's just no chance. I feel bad for the Ricky fans that got all up thinking he was going to win. Uh, and I do think Ricky's a really stand-up guy. I think he's a great dude by all accounts. I know he stayed after on like Saturday night and signed autographs forever when he was tied for the lead and everything. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of very inconsistent play from him. Uh, throughout the whole tournament, Cobra probably liked it though. They got a yeah. boost. I think he's one of the yeah great ambassadors of golf. I just, I mean, you know, you're defined by what what do you look like when you you know you lose. You know, and and Ricky's a guy that's going to come over and and embrace you and give you a hug. I mean, he's he's a a stand up guy. I don't think there's a single person in the world that hates Ricky Fowler. I mean, he's just I, you just, you just want to see him, you know, he's very talented too. I mean, the dude is talented, but he just, again, I don't, he doesn't scare me. You know, nobody, Scotty was the only guy in the leaderboard that, and I don't know why even that, cause he has, he's always there too, but he hasn't really gone and, and won it either. So like it's golf's in a really weird space. You know, we had this point where we thought Max Homa was a closer killer and he's, you know, now he's kind of lost his game. We had a point where it's like, you know, Spieth was a major guy. And now he, you know, can't find it. It's like, who, I don't know. Like, that's what's so yeah. intriguing. I think about majors now. It's like, there's just not a guy out there that anybody's it's, really. It's still Brooks. Scared. It's still Brooks. Bro- Brooks, yeah, if Brooks. He's in that, if he's in that position, yes, I would say he's probably my number one on that, Bro- in that scenario. Brooks, did, Brooks talked himself out of it. Like, he was one he was one of the guys who was didn't like LACC that's like that's usually Kepka's thing I know going in that half the guys aren't going to well no Kepka Kepka needs a man source he needs he needs narrow fairways oh please uh what a what a bullshit artist that guy is um (laughs) uh you know who else has not finally yesterday he played well going back to Jeff's point Cam Smith in the majors this year Hasn't has really been kind of a non-factor. Although yesterday he finally, so I'm guessing for Hoylake, you know, the defending champ at the Open, I'm sure he'll play well there. He finally yesterday kind of showed a little signs of life and popped a low number when everybody else was shooting even par or above par. But yeah, he hasn't done place. much this year either. Fourth place, good showing by the Live Boys. Yep, killer cam. I, Dustin, I don't. Dustin Johnson yeah. imploded. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like it's, it'd be interesting, like to maybe rank our top, like. I think we kind of did this already, but like, just like your top five guys of who you think would be the best closer, like coming down the stretch of a major, you know, like who do you think would be your number one, two, three, four, and five. If you had to pick five golfers, I think that'd be kind of something to talk about maybe for our last, last major. Um, um, anything with Ricky, sort of talks small, long Scotty. Scotty. I got to say, it's just, man, that guy, 
you if you didn't if you didn't see the scores if they could did never showed the scores and you were just watching the broadcast you'd be like who is this guy he just looked it just looked ugly he was missing short putts here and there um hitting some bad shots but then you look at the scoreboard and he's like even par for the day again and he's just scraping it around it looked gross but he's always there i don't know he just couldn't he couldn't get anything going either he couldn't make any putts can i do something Sure. I want to go back to the um, BMW of last year, and these are his finishes that he's finished. Okay, so this is, you know, most of the events that he plays in are not bullshit events. They're very talented golfers. There's only one number in here that kind of is an outlier. Watch this. This is going back a lot of tournaments. Third, second, 45th. There's your outlier. Third, ninth, seventh, 11th. First, twelfth, fourth, first, fourth, tenth, eleventh, fifth, second, third, third, third. I mean, yeah. if that's not good golf, I don't know what is. I mean, he's but, easily the best player in the world, easily, like I the just, most consistent by far. It's not even close. What was the forty-fifth then? Um, that was at let's see, that was at the CJ Cup, which I don't even know if you can. Oh um, yeah, it doesn't even count. Who cares? Doesn't even count. So I mean, like that's. That I I just it's he's a lock for a, at least a top ten in any elevator major. He just yeah. he hits the ball so damn well. The thing is though, I think he's trying to tack himself out of that. He's I mean, and maybe you should do this, but you know I, I would just tell myself you're a bad putter. Like he he's trying to stay positive with his putter, which is probably the best route to go with. But man, is that hard to watch. He missed some of those birdie putts by didn't even scare the hole from like seven Although, feet. He still ended up in the positive for Strosky and putting. I don't somehow. know how. I don't know. I don't wow. know how. Yeah, he was pot. He was uh, plus point two nine. So he must have. There must have been a lot of shitty putting out there. Because every time I watched, like you said, he was missing a putt by like a mile. Like what is going on? So I just yeah he he's he is that Ned Flanders out there. I think yeah he's got the. His his finish son Saturday night was incredible when he went eagle birdie to finish. And it's like he had nothing going up until that point. And he thought, all right, Scotty's now here he comes. But at to this point, with all the good golf that he's played, he has one major to his resume. Cam Smith has one major to his resume. It's so hard. It is to hard. win it's tough just... golf tournaments. It's so hard. And you can be such a good player for that week. And if somebody just has the week of their life, it doesn't matter how well you play sometimes. Yeah. I mean, other, yeah. Other than Kepka, who's a complete outlier because, you know, he never really wins any other events that much at a high percentage. Um, it is like, look at all the other guys. Like it's hard as hell. Rory's been top 10 at a billion majors. He's won four. Uh, Spieth, you know, had the little run. Hasn't done shit since then. Uh, it's just hard. It's hard as hell. There's a lot of good golfers out there. And even Brooks was sitting in the driver's seat on the last round of the masters, right? Yeah. Like he choked he, it away. He was sitting right there. So it's just, it's golf is really hard. I think everybody can relate to that. I mean, these guys are professionals, so we can't really relate to somebody, you know, blowing it and shooting 72. Like we don't relate to that, but like those guys stand over a ball and can't finish stuff too. Like when we all of a sudden have our best round going and then all of a sudden we implode or whatever it might be like, these guys go through that same stuff. So I was going to ask thoughts on the golf course. Like, I just think it had a lot of publicity. It was the first time it's hosted a major. I know there was a lot of negative publicity from the terms of players. You talked about Brooks, um, Victor Hovland, 
Um, trying to think of who else kind of made some comments, but it was a lot of that. And then the fact that it didn't have the environment, the players talked about the environment wasn't great with the, you know, corporate buying a ton of tickets and not a lot of people there, but golf course in general set up. What'd you guys think? I liked the golf course. Um, yeah, I think the USGA did a, did a terrible shitty deal with, um, not letting a lot of fans out there. And then a lot of the tickets that were for sale, the members just bought. So there were less fans out there even you know even more than should be so it was that was shitty but uh the golf course i thought was unique it was fun to watch the bunkering was amazing uh having the barranca there so you had some shots once in a while i don't i think the pros don't like it because there's some blind shots you go up and down hills those guys love to see the whole hole in front of them you know like a classic i don't know uh, well, like Oak Hill at the PGA, you know, I thought this course is personally way better. It's a cooler golf course. Oak Hill is the really classic, you know, the holes right in front of you straight ahead, uh, you know, whatever. This one had some, uh, you know, it has some blind shots like hole six, which I thought made for really fun TV. You guys are ripping drivers up there and who knows where it ends up in the, in the Branca and the bunkers. Um, but yeah, they got, it got criticized for that, but it's like, the golf course itself is great. It's been in the top overall hundred since 1965, since they started doing it. It's a, it's a fantastic setup. The only thing I would complain about uh, be, being that it's a U.S. Open is having the widest fairway on the golf course on 18. Uh, you know, the 18th yeah. fairway is 58 yards wide. Like Wyndham, look, he hit that into, into the parking lot almost on the broadcast and ended up in the in the fairway like, i winced when i saw that shot tracer yeah. i thought it was over because he did not look like it was pretty and he made the fairway i'm like what i yeah, thought it was like, the fairway of the wrong hole or something yeah, you know so like you're finishing a major up one stroke if that's a tight little fairway that makes for some real drama Wyndham could just step up there and aim down the left side of the fairway and hit his hit a, a big a cut as he wanted to um, and it was going to be in the fairway case in point mito Pereira. yeah right yeah yeah i mean, I mean I, although I, I do see maybe, I don't know why it was so wide. If it was because maybe they were hoping for a birdie, you know, a late birdie to win or who knows. But yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's coming back there in what, 2039, I think. Yeah. I'm sure they'll tweak it some, but I thought it was, I thought at least visually on TV, it looked pretty good. It, it, it led to a lot of interesting shots anyways being played. Little, I love. I love having the the little par three. Love it. Yeah, I love. I love when Brookline did it last year, and it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't like it was super easy. There weren't guys birdieing it left and right. Tuck some pins and put that thing in in weird spots. I think I had the funnest, more most fun watching um, that par three, and then people play hole six. I think that was kind of a lot of fun because I love to see those like. Those they don't take any ground. Those just pick it clean little sixty yard one stop hoppers that you have to hit right on the money because it's such a narrow kidney bean looking green. Where you know those, those I don't think if you set us three out there and try to hit you know those shots that'd be so fun to just kind of see how hard that shot really is. You know, um, I think that would be great TV. I think that would be wonderful you know, viewing for people to see that how, cause I saw that shot a lot and it was just surprising how many times everybody just hit the, exactly the shot that they needed. So that, that was fun to watch. I get the USGA is in a no win situation because um, 
you know, I think my overall thing for the whole tournament is if you put these guys on a soft golf course, which it was the first day, you know, and it got progressively firmer, but they had some rain earlier that whatever week in that marine layer, you know, when that fog comes in or whatever, does moisten it up a little bit. You put these guys on a soft golf course, it doesn't matter how long you want to make it. They're they're too good. They can hit in there. As, but if you put them on a really firm golf course, like you saw on Sunday in the afternoon, it makes it hard for these guys. And I think the USGA is in kind of a no-win situation because if they if they dry it out too much, you know, then you got guys like Phil, Phil, you know, putting it and then walking and putting it again before it stops moving. And you got players bitching about the, you know, they've lost the golf course and all this. But then if you make it a little bit softer and the scores get too low, you know, all the fans like us are like, what the hell? We're used to the U.S. Open being just complete carnage. So they're almost in an impossible situation between what, you know, where to go with it. I mean, I think for one thing, the player, none of the players complained about the condition. From all for everything I saw, the greens were immaculate. It was in great shape. I think it's just the quirkiness of the golf course. Some of them don't like. And I don't know about you guys. I also don't like, you know, if a US Open has like 15 yard fairways, you know, just super tight. It's like everybody's hacking out of them. I don't find that to be very fun either. And I think the one thing that this golf course did do is it found the best player that week I, I i don't know how you could find a better player of what Wyndham did from off the tee to around the greens to putting like you know he li- limited the damage i don't think he had a single double bogey the entire week i mean even when he was in situations where he could have a double bogey he got out of it and just kept it to bogey i mean it's like they found the best golfer that week and so it's got to be you know tip tip your cap to is somewhat at least um that it was able to identify that so yeah. i don't know anything else tim before we move on I got to say, I think there was some some absolute collusion that happened this week. Um, and I, I say that because the YouTube availability to view the golf course, to talk about the architecture, to do the flyovers was so fantastic. Everyone had a piece on LACC. Every piece of drone work was beautiful. Um, you could learn almost anything that you wanted to finally from this golf course. And then you go up to try to buy a ticket and you can't. So I just, I wonder if there's some give and take from the membership saying, yeah, we'll open it up for the cameras, for the drones, for the the media, but we don't want the spectators. We don't want the trampling of the course. We don't want people in our tight knit society. We don't want celebrities, right? Well, Which is. You're hundred percent right. They didn't, they talked about that. I think on. Wednesday night on the golf channel, you know, the USGA has been trying to get in there forever and have an event. And the, and the golf course said, Nope, we don't want it. And the Walker cup in 2017 only happened after some new people took over like the board or whatever. Mm-hmm. Hey, and they're the ones that started to say, Hey, let's show this off to the world a little bit. Um, because that place is famous for no celebrities. They don't allow phones. They have a crazy, strict rules on all kinds of stuff very secret kind of place but they i think slowly they're opening it up to more uh you know letting the world see the golf course a little bit to that same point though right it, it's we all saw that side of it because we're we're heavily invested in looking into golf architecture looking into the major but for those that maybe didn't jump on to other places outside of just the broadcast 
it was it was slightly disappointing that they didn't tie a bunch of that in still they had so much good videography of the place existing either from their own self from the usga or from other vendors um that they didn't highlight a lot of the architectural gem that is the course and i think that they could have brought that more to life with maybe less of the overhead more from from behind or the side and and a little bit more of a description as guys are going through the course i mean there's enough downtime in golf you can talk about what lacc means you can talk about the one-off stories of how people rumor that you can hear zoo animals from the grotto Right. You could hear or, them. You or, could hear them on TV. You could hear the yeah. peacocks going. The yeah. peacocks were going crazy on Sunday night. <laughs> it was like mating season over there. It's not. It always. It's always, mate, it's always mating season yeah. at the Flavor Man. You're, you're, you're right, but I think the members, the members of these courses, you know, have so much pull. If you went down the top hundred, the overall top hundred, there is a bunch of them in the top twenty that have never even sniffed any kind of event, uh, in, including. Pine Valley and Cypress Point, you know, numbers one and two, um, you know, for many, many, many years. Now, maybe they're too short or but you would think somebody would want to get out there. Um, there's lots of them on that list that just the members don't want people out there. You know, they don't I don't think they care about the publicity. They just want it to be their little golf course that they paid a billion dollars, you know, to be members at. And that's it. Yeah. So. All right. Well. You know, I we're we're three quarters through our majors, and it's kind of a sad. You know, we're only in June, and we're like got one giant, fun, big, you know, event left, and so it's kind of a a sobering moment for me because I really like my majors, and knowing I have one left, I mean, it's a fun major coming up. The granddaddy of all, the best of the best, yeah. coffee golf, baby. When is is that? What is that? Anybody know the date of of the July? Open? In July, it's the week before the TPC, so July twentieth okay. through whatever so, sometime okay. there like, sometime okay. in that area so you have a month left or something like that um before our last one i'm just going to point out uh gordon Sargent was your low am at the u.s open this this week too so while they're moving on to travelers it's an elevated event i don't know how they do this on the schedule how you i mean again it's like all right now we're we're taking all of our best players who just played in a major and we're going to make them go all the way to the east coast travel and now play in an elevated event you know, it's like, I, I don't understand that. I think, um, you know, they're doing it, but it's, I think you're putting it, some of these guys that have invested so much into this major, just mentally and physically that, you know, how to, to get them to perform at your event is going to be difficult. And I, I, I and that's why I think what we're going to do for picks this week is we're going to try to pick the highest ranked player that we think is going to miss the cut this week. I think that's the only way to way to go. So I want to know who do you think is going to be your highest ranked um um guy to decide that you know what I've had enough. I just I'm gonna kind of you know hack my way through through 36 holes and hopefully fly home and and rest. Anybody want to start with who they think the and by highest we're talking about you know top players in the world. This is an elevated event. I mean, most of the guys are in it. Um, so most of them are going to be traveling and probably pretty tired and jet lagged and whatnot. So anybody want to go on a limb and start with who you think is not going to make the cut at the travelers? Well, I mean, I can, I can start it, with, uh, with number three in the world. 
You go for wins. that one. I hope he wins. I, I, I just, I feel like he, I feel like Rory McIlroy is just a little beat up. He's just, he's seen too much of number two lately. And I'm not talking about the Porta John. I'm just talking about his play. Could be similarly uh, compared, but um, yes, this golf course can be soft. Yes, longer hitters have done particularly well. Um, Xander winning, Dustin winning. But I just, I think that the burnout, I think that the travel, uh, the family, I think that things start to to get to Rory. And they do such a good job here of a focus on the family that maybe he starts to take his foot off that gas a little bit. Starts to enjoy a couple amenities and start to take a minute back from golf. And when he doesn't have his foot on the gas, then, well, he's my guy to miss the cut. Mike? Um, hmm. I don't know. There's a, it's just the the top players play well here at the Travelers Championship. They usually do. Um, oh, don't get me wrong, Mike. Uh, Rory shot a 62 on Thursday last year. Yeah, of course he did. He This course, him, him and Cantlay. Are like like Cantley is like owns this place. He's always good at this course. Um, Xander's good. I'm trying to look at the at the uh, world rankings. Is there anybody that's not playing in the official world top hundred? Um, here I'll just go through some guys that are playing: Scheffler, Rom, McElroy, Cantley, Hovland, Shoffley, Homa, Fitzpatrick, Clark, Finau, Cameron Young, Tom, JT, Morikawa, Fleetwood, Sungjae. Now we're to Tom Kim, so we're getting. A ways down there, but I, I don't really know. Right. You know I'm just what? listing Fuck off. Scheffler. Ah! Boom. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't believe what I'm saying. I don't think <laughs> you're just going I, for glory. He's a can't miss player, but at some point in time, the trend there there has to be a bump in the road, is there not? Like, how is it? How is it? At some point, he has to slow down. Um. Actually, I would say I would I would say the probability of of Rom missing the cut is higher than Scheffler. Rom's a little more up and down, but screw it. You know what, Scotty? He's it, this is it. He's gonna Jeez. he's gonna he's gonna take a weekend off, regroup and get and get ready for the uh, Rocket Mortgage or whatever it is. He's not playing after that. <laughs> JT's playing the Rocket Mortgage. Um, um. Okay, well, we're going world number one no, and no, world no, number kidding. three. Hold on. I'm gonna, I can't I can't go with him. Scotty's missed go. three cuts in like three years or something like yeah, that. Two years. He's, he's a pretty damn pretty he damn. He never misses a cut. Um, um you, you, you go one? ahead. You go ahead. I, I'm just gonna go with the guy that is, you know, and I and I like the guy, but he's just not he's not trending. And he was kind of a, one of my sneaky five guys to watch because he doesn't perform in majors and he performed on Thursday and then really asked his pants on Friday. And that's Max Homa. This guy at the Travelers has missed his cut every single time. So you mix in Ooh. four course history. He's missed the cut four times. On top of that, he's not playing great. Um, I think he's a very, he's kind of like me. Like he's, he, he plays off of confidence. Like he plays off of, results and how he's done and if he's playing well he's going to show up with a chance to say i'm gonna i can win this thing i think he's searching a little bit and um kind of in those you know in the realm of jt too where it's just like these two guys are 
they've been in the top of the, you know, top of the, of the mountain and they're having a hard time uh, getting back to there and they're struggling. So I'm going to go with Max. All right. So we got to pick somebody in the top 10 to make this, you know, Oh, you did pick Scheffler. Stick to your guns. Oh no, nobody's. He's not. He he never missed the cut. I got. I got. I got a couple guys here. If Spieth would have made the cut at the U.S. Open, I maybe would have picked him. But he's rested. He probably flew over there. Spieth isn't playing. Isn't he? Yeah, no. he is. Are you sure? I'm hundred percent sure. Off? Oh, I don't. Well. I don't see him on on the list. Is Fitzpatrick playing? I'm not yes. even looking around. Okay, Fitz, he so. is. So my two guys, Fitzy's an up and down guy for me, but played okay at the U.S. Open. But the guy I'm going to take that's going to miss the cut happens to be your Travelers Championship defending champion, Xander Shoffley. I picked him to win the U.S. Open. Felt like felt really good after Thursday's 63. But if you looked at his rounds, he was he was over par the rest of the tournament because what he shoots. Seven under at uh, on the first eight, day. Eight under, eight under, eight under the first day, and he finished at three under. Six under, three was it three? Finally, yeah, it was all the way down yeah. to. I don't know. I quit. I quit watching. Three under. So he's got to be. He he could win. He could win travelers. I don't know, but I gotta think he's sitting there like, what just what is going on in my <laughs> game? Like I I shot a sixty three opening day and didn't didn't even sniff contending by Sunday. Sixty two so, or sixty? No, yeah, sixty two. My bad, sixty two. So I'm going to go with the X-Man, Xander, uh, to miss the cut and just be reeling, just reeling going into going into July here in summer. All right. Well, that's kind of a fun little added thing just to find. I hate picking guys that are you're picking to play bad, but that's that's just kind of a new wrinkle. We we picked too many guys to try to win. Let's pick somebody that's not going to play well. Jeff, Jeff is real negative today. On the course. I am so negative. So that's why it's yeah. a, seg- a good segue into that. It was a negative day out there. I've been really, I've had a hard time. I tell you, I, I, I play well off of confidence. I just haven't had anything to grasp from. And I show up just trying to, to, to find it and be positive. And it's like, when I don't see any results, it's like, it's the same old stuff. So yeah, we played Highland today. We have a quest to qualify. The on Thursday is the, um, uh, Drawn blank stadium qualifier. Stadium qualifier. Okay, at uh, at Highland and Mike and I are playing in it. Tim has already WD'd, so he will take oh, third of the podcast. Withdrew. He withdrew. Yeah, yeah. I've got a work. I've got a work it. event down in Kansas City. Just a big talker, and he WDs. Yeah. I, I want to be there. Because we're not what seventy six, seventy seven out there last two days, and I I left a lot on the course. Word on the street is that you were. uh Trying to find a city to go to and say you had say you you know had work to do that had decent food. So you found Kansas City. <laughs> I, I would go I would go somewhere else other than Kansas City if I was gonna go anywhere. <laughs> oh great barbecue, Kansas City. Fantastic. I, I'll I'll have you you guys know too. I'm not packing the clubs. Um there's just there's not enough time for that. So I you know, if I was gonna actually WD, I'd I'd do it in style, bring the clubs with and <laughs> probably uh, go to go to hawaii but you did play you did play well for a while there today it's a good match yeah yeah i continue to have those glimpses of eight to nine holes all in the wrong stretch never never at the start never at the end <laughs> uh, always in the middle but jeff was in a very bad headspace today well it's been not just today it's been a long time it, it's it's been it's actually going back like 
not even this year. It's going back to last year. I just can't find the extra gear. I found like every once in a while, like I said, I shot 70 once this year. I've shot 73, shot 73, four shot. I mean, I've shot some good scores, but I can't show up. And like, I know, like I, I, and maybe this is kind of like what Rory's dealing with. Like in my head, I'm thinking back to when I was playing well, why was I playing well? You know, what made me play well? I'm trying to search for what that was. I think I'm doing the things that I was doing, but obviously I'm not. And I don't know what that is. I thought it, you know, a lot of it has to probably do mentally, but it's at some point that beats you up. If you try to just mentally, you know, think playing well and keep your cool and everything and and results don't show up, eventually you just get frustrated and say, this is hard to watch. I don't think it's that. I think this is a really complex swing. And you can wake up with slightly different flexibility one day. You could wake up and you slept on one wrist wrong. And it's just not, it's not getting to the right spot at the backswing. Your elbow isn't getting down towards the body. You're not getting in the slot as well. There's so many things that have so much variability Uh that it's just, you never know what you're going to get when you show up necessarily. And then you do the corrections as you go. And you hope for the best and you see if you can do them over time as you play. But it, it it's so many little things. I, I don't even necessarily think it's it's always a headspace. I think the headspace kind of follows almost. I'm sure Tim's wife or Jeff's wife is giving you the big screw off, Tim, because now Jessica's going to be in the swing lab, <laughs> in the swing lab in the basement no, all, I'm night, not. all night long. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. Uh, damn, I'm not. Tim, Tim told me I got to watch my elbow. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I've done my enough. My wrist. I need to sleep alone tonight. <laughs> I think today, the one promising thing, you guys, maybe if you think back, I didn't have any sort of like, um, you know, two-way miss, like, I, for the most part, if I missed, it was to the right. So that, that was a, a promising thing for me because I knew where my ball is going. Um, I had one or two iron misses that were a little bit to the left, but they weren't um, huge slice lefts. They were just kind of block, you know, left side of the greenish shot. So, so that's a good thing. Like that helps me just mentally know more being comfortable over a ball. But when I have the two-way miss going, when I aim at a green and I don't know if it's going to draw or fade, how can you play golf? Like that's not a good spot to be. And that's where I've been. So I, I am in my head making progress. Like I know, I told you, I feel like I, I know kind of more where my ball is going, but the problem is, you know, like if I don't hit a green, all of a sudden now I don't get up and down. Like I just can't put it all together. I feel like sometimes my short game is just incredible and I'm making tons of putts and I'm getting up and down all the time. And then sometimes I'm just, you know, when I have, when I don't have my swing, you know, I, I kind of start pressing and then I feel like I got to get up and down every single time. And then you try to get too cute. You know, it's just a big snowball thing. So anyways, I, I don't know if we need to, you know, dissect my entire game, but yeah, it's been a <laughs> no, struggle. I, we talked about this in the golf course today. And I just think that's where uh, greens and regulation mm-hmm. really matter. Like to me, if you hit it, if you consistently hit a decent amount of greens, you can putt somewhat shitty. You know, as long as you're not horrible in three putting mm-hmm. and you're going to break 80 most of the, you know, almost. And if you don't have any big numbers, let's say you hit 12 greens in regulation all the time and let, you know, if the other holes are just bogeys or whatever, you, you're going to be just fine. I, I just think like around like today, like you had when you're grinding and, and you have to get up another par over. And over mm. again, if you get up and down the first couple times, 
that can be a little bit of a boost because now you're like, okay, I'm going to hit it better. I got up and down. But when you're not getting up and down, it's like, here we go. I missed the green. I'm going to chip it up there and make up another bogey. I'm not going to make the putt. It, it's really easy to get negative if you're missing greens and not getting up, getting it up and in. But just and like hitting greens and like even if you're missing, even if it's a makeable birdie putt and that gets frustrating, believe me. Um, yeah. But like it's so much stress, stress-free pars, you know, make the round so easy. You, you're never grinding. Yeah. And, and I'm with you on that because here's the deal. Like the thing is if I don't hit a lot of green or don't get up and down early, and I'm not, you know, there's a lot, I, I feel like I put a lot of pressure. It's like, I've got, okay, now I have two bogeys on my first five holes. And how am I going to make that back when I'm not hitting the ball well enough to make birdies? That's where I get, you know, like when I'm playing well and I have a couple of bogeys, I, I know that I'm hitting the ball well enough to make birdies. And it's like, to you know, I haven't really felt like I've made a lot of birdies lately. And it's because I'm not hitting the ball great. So like now, like when I get back down, I press. And knowing that I have to kind of be perfect to not hit a bad score because I'm not making enough birdies, that's where it just kind of all festers up. So when I bogey from a spot where I have zero business bogeying from, that is really ripping at me right now. Those are the ones that are just like making me upset and like saying things that I want to say and acting like a baby. And like, that's, that's where I know when I'm at my best, I'm not making bogey from there. I'm actually making a good chance of getting a good look for birdies what i used to do now i'm not like, you know so i actually like jeff when he's not saying things he's supposed to say and, and when, he's saying <laughs> things, when he's saying things he's not supposed to say and he's out yeah. there you know that's fun that's really fun for me it's like wow jeff's really going after himself here there's a lot of f used internally to oh himself. my god <laughs> yeah there is there there is it's, it's they're not they're they're not all internal either. They're external <laughs> and everything around him too. And that's, but that's the way I've always been. Like I, that's always been one of my biggest weaknesses as, and this is every sport when I'm playing well, like this was basketball too. Like if I made my first two shots, um, you better guard me, you know, cause I I'm flying off screens and I'm going to rip it right in your face. And I'm going to be, I'm going to be just cocky. And I'm going to be, you know, it's like, when I'm playing golf well, well, I'm the same way. Like, I just feel like no matter what, I can get up and down. No matter what, I'm going to, you know, make this birdie and get back. And so I just don't have that right now. And it's frustrating. And I'm a competitive guy. I hate playing sucky. I hate losing. I hate all those things. I just, I don't like that. And it's kind of eats at me. And it's like, I just want to play well and I just can't. And I don't know with this thing coming up Thursday, it's like, I better, you know, I got to sack up and just, find a way i think part of it too is one shot at a time i know that's really cliche but like when i get down early and i have two bogeys that's i'm already thinking about my end score because i know birdies aren't happening at a high rate it's like how am i going to make that up i'm not hitting the ball well enough so that's part of it too i think i just gotta you know do the old one shot at a time thing and see where that goes we had a lot of matches going today we had two individual match plays and a team game uh I'm sure you follow on Instagram people, but Tim has pulled ahead now in your guys' head to head. He's he's right. up by 0. 0.5. 0. 0.5. <laughs> Love that. I had a nice cushion and I've I don't I've I've not beat Tim this year, so that's that's a bad thing. Yeah, and our and yeah, our great match thing. was our match was fairly typical as it as it usually usually is. Although usually you get ahead early. I was ahead early and then fell apart and then got her going, pulled away. 
We were actually at one yep. point, we were both on the front nine, which was our back nine. We were both two under through four holes there. No, f- through five holes. Well, I think through four. And then I eagled yeah, five. No, yeah. I eagled six. I, I, I think what was, I think I came back on on 18, our number nine, birdied that to go all square. And then we had quite the battle of going two under there for a while until you made your eagle. Yeah, yeah. I had to go on the back. A little, little, nice, little tasty 33. Yeah, that's solid. With a bogey. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, really that was the big swinger in our match when you when you made a bogey and I made an eagle. That's a, that's a momentum crusher. I that, will say that, that, yeah, that yeah. kills things. <laughs> I, I will say that I just really enjoyed my after round beer because it was I ultimately bought it myself, but it was part of Tim's twenty dollars that I paid him for, for my <laughs> beer. So I'm, I'm I really enjoyed that beer. Jeff and I took down the point game right at the end. Yeah, so never in um, doubt. anything else from that because I was going to bring up what we got coming up. Besides, I mean, that's obviously coming up this week, and so Mike and I will be playing in that. Um, we also have three on media day coming up a week from Monday or today. Um, so we'll we'll do our best to bring some content from 3M Media Day as the course gets ready to host uh the 3M in, in July. Uh so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna play um TPC Blaine and and uh see what we can do. Mankato Golf Club on tomorrow. Yeah, Tuesday. we got Mankato Golf Club off to post that. I, I don't know. Are we gonna make it a major? Are we gonna do a major at, at the 3M if if we can play 18 full holes with individual? Should we do a major? Oh, absolutely break, major? break 80 okay. major. Because so that would we be... know we're supposed to, we're playing the tips. 100%. They already told us, can we break 80 from the tips? It was oh, in that email. So this will be the PGA. We should do four majors. We should. And in theory, yeah. we should. This should be we the should. PGA style one. Don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. This will be a, this is a major. And, and if, if the format is we can play our own ball the whole way, we don't really know the specifics of media day yet, but major number one, hell yeah. Okay, so if we play our own ball, we're going to call it the first of the break 80 majors. Hopefully it's not from the tips off zero chance. I'll be like, I'm Kevin Kisner. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's the case. Well, so, you just got to putt better, I guess, and hit it. Hit like, yeah, it. I'm going to have to putt like Denny McCarthy to have a chance. So, funny. <laughs> so well, I, I, uh, I'm trying to think of, we're going to try to get some interviews, you know, and some other stuff out here. Uh, we're going to start working on that. We've got a little bit more time now, so we'll see if we can line up some other things, some content for you. Uh, we're going to, you know, as usual, try to get some other things going and, and, uh, see if we can, you know, get on an exciting course or do something to kind of bring some more eyes and, and, uh, have some fun with some, some golf stuff. So anything else boys, before we close shop today? Nope. Tim, you have fun on that. Uh, on that work trip, I, I'm doing yeah, yeah. now. That work trip you have, yeah. Have us on, have us on speed dial on the. Uh, uh, I wish I was there too. Is it, would that be legal to have a have a caddy on your phone? Like he's not, he's not carrying <laughs> my bag, folks. But he's actually, you know, I can hear him smoking cigarettes through the phone, <laughs> just <laughs> breathing. <laughs> <laughs> and you can hear him golfing as just the wheezing. <laughs> So, well, again, congrats to our guy, John Ellis. I mean, we are so stoked for him. Uh, good dude. I uh, hope to, to meet up with him soon and have some cocktails and celebrate his fantastic season. Obviously, congrats to Wyndham as well. Um, yeah, what a cool situation, a cool story. Um, you know, he's going to be at the 3M, so hopefully get a chance to sit down with those guys too and, and hang out a little bit too. So anyways, as always, folks, um, as I found, you know, recently, 
that this is very, very much evident. Uh, the difference between 79 and 80 <laughs> is everything. <laughs> Maybe today's the day I brigade What the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading. No OB and no bogeys. I gotta keep it on the 80 is the gold. Would you hit it on one? Straight up the gut, baby. Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings. Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy. So punch out the rough and tune to break 80. Break 80. Break 80. Break 80.